the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here broadcasting from my office in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. Doing a little bit better this week as I slowly but surely recover from the stroke I had back in February. Very excited that uh, my family, uh, we're all going to be going to the Big D over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, We're going to go just for a couple of days. Uh, My kids will already be back in school uh, when we go. And we're actually planning on leaving right after school on that Friday and just driving on down to Anaheim and then uh, spending a couple days there and then coming back uh, on on Labor Day itself uh, so that they can go back to the grind and my wife and I can go back to our grind of our work. I want to let you all know that uh, my second estate planning workshop is coming up. It's going to be one week from tomorrow morning. That would be August 14th, starting at 9 o'clock a.m. at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue in San Jose. I already have uh, several registrations Um, because of the, the new restrictions here in Santa Clara County for indoor meetings uh, requiring masks now, even if you, like I am, are vaccinated, I have reduced the number of spaces for this workshop. I had it set at 40 originally. I had 23 come back in July, but now I've moved it down to 20 so that people may hopefully feel more comfortable we can spread out more in the uh, the large conference room that I use, and uh, and then we'll be wearing masks. I'm still trying to sort out whether I need to try to get a clear mask so that people can actually see my mouth move, because I know for a lot of people, myself included, um, hearing somebody, uh, hearing what people have to say, often is a function of not only hearing sound, but also being able to see the movement of someone's mouth forming the words. I rely a lot on that, and I know many people do. So uh, what I, I'm looking into getting is some kind of clear, um, clear face mask 
so that people can actually see my mouth move when I'm talking. I'll look kind of silly, but you know what? I don't care if I look silly. Uh, I've been a stage actor for many years. Part of that is getting up on stage and doing silly, funny stuff. So I'm not really worried about that. But if you'd like to come to that workshop, I think I have uh, 13 spaces left out of the 20. Uh, go to lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B.com. Click on the menu item for workshops and seminars. And then you can click on a button to register. Or go to eventbrite.com. And, uh, and you can uh, search for the estate planning workshop on August 14th. Register that way. Or you could go to my Facebook page and find there are links there to register as well. Love to see you there. It uh, was very well received back in July. I think it will be uh, very beneficial for anyone coming to it who has any interest in estate planning or doing estate planning or just wonders what is estate planning and what is it all about? Why, why should I even consider something like this for me and my family? So I'm going to uh, not open up the um, the calls at this time. I may do it in the second half of the show today. Instead, I'm going to dive into some uh, situations that came across my desk, uh, questions and comments, if you will, and uh, go ahead. And uh, the first one that I saw really kind of attracted my attention because person said, and this is in Southern California. It looks like Santa Clarita, which I drive through whenever we go down to Disneyland. Said, I had a marriage ceremony in California. All I had was the ceremony with family and friends. No paperwork, no marriage license, nothing else. Just a ceremony. Well, first of all, that's really not a marriage ceremony then here in California. That might be what is more properly called a commitment ceremony where you stand up before everybody and say we're committed to being married, but you're not actually married. So the person wants to know what makes a marriage legal in California. You have to have a marriage license. You have to get married in California by someone permitted to conduct marriages. And that has to be within 90 days of the issuance of the marriage license. So that's how you get married in California. This person's asking, is the home I owned before we had the ceremony, this is before I met my partner, still legally mine because we're not technically married? It's true, you're not married. And uh, my spouse, or she, my partner, has no interest. If I make a trust before we legally get married and make it where my child that I had before we met receives the home, um, if anything were to happen to me, Am I able to do that since we're not married and I'm the only one on the title? Um, the short answer to that is absolutely yes. But you need to also be aware that should you get married, if you and your new spouse are actually living in that home, um, even if you've put it into a trust, uh, that spouse may start acquiring an interest in that home uh, through community property or may have a right to uh, some time after you pass uh, living in the home 
as a spousal allowance that the uh, family law covers um, so that uh, your your spouse isn't just thrown out in the street, uh, if you're really concerned about having that property passed to your child from a previous relationship, then what you really need to do is go to a family lawyer and have your prospective spouse go to a family lawyer and work out a marital property agreement where you agree with her and she agrees with you that you're able to dispose of that property uh, by that trust for your child no matter what. Anything short of that runs the risk that you could accidentally, inadvertently, start giving an interest to your new spouse in that property. And also, um, it it could also um, uh, head off any claim later for for getting a spousal allowance so that uh, your new spouse can continue staying in the property uh, for some time, even though you've left it to your child. Okay, now here's an interesting one. It says, my brother passed away. I'm the trustee of a trust where he set up subtrusts for his two minor children. But the attorney who did that listed me as the grantor and also made them revocable. Can a trustee be a grantor? Yes, if the trustee is in fact the grantor of a trust. But... Here the problem is, it would not be a revocable trust if it was set up for the benefit of the children of the brother. And the the trustee, who is the uncle, should not be the grantor of these trusts. So sounds like the paperwork's all messed up. That needs to be fixed. It might have even been filed with the IRS. It needs to be fixed there as well. Coming up on the first break for the show today, I'll continue after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the second segment of our show today. Let's continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, This one's out of Rohnert Park, California. Okay, so this uh, person says, I own a home with an ex-boyfriend. Recently found out he put the home, rather put his half of the home, into a trust for his best friend and his brother in case he dies. I'm not sure what that means for me. If he dies, do I have to sell and pay his beneficiaries, his friend and brother, or am I able to keep the homeownership myself? Well, what you have here with the situation is what's called a tenancy in common. Tenancy in common means that you have two or more people that own something together, uh, not necessarily equal shares. It could be different percentage ownership. But tenancy mean in common means that you each own that interest in the property, whatever it happens to be, as your own separate 
asset, your own separate property. So here, if the ex-boyfriend owns half the property and he's now put it into a trust to pass it on to his friend and his brother, and then he dies, then that would mean that his half of the property now is owned through his trust by his best friend and his brother. That would mean for this person asking the question that she has now become a partner with um, with the best friend and the brother. If they don't want to be partners with her, they can say we should sell this property because we want our half because we're going to walk away and you can have the other half. If she wants to keep the property, she may have to figure out a way that she can buy the other half. In other words, buy them out if she wants to keep the property, 100% of the property. Otherwise, if she just wants to stay there and do nothing, they can take her to court. Uh, It's called a partition action. They can go to court and they can ask that the court order that the property be sold and half of the net proceeds of the sale be turned over to them and the other half turned over to this person who's asking the question in the first place. So um, that's kind of pretty detailed explanation of what's going on there. And uh, yeah, if uh, you might want to consider for yourself what happens to your half of the property should you pass away either before or after your ex-boyfriend. Okay, here's one. I'm going to pass this on. I'm going to tell you right now. When I read things like this, I get angry. And I think when I'm done, I think you'll know why I'm angry. Person starts out, I'm a disabled adult. My disability began at age 16. My parents are divorced. I live in California. I think my dad was supposed to continue providing support past 18 for me, but I don't know exactly what the amount was. Um, but I know he was putting it in a trust fund. I know that the trust fund now has zero, nothing. My dad had been taking money from the trust as collateral for loans for the business he has with my brother. Also, I came across documents recently that seemed to indicate that my mother was taking quite a few loans out of that trust as well. I'll put loans in air quotes here. Were they legally allowed to do that? Well, the trust might have permitted them to borrow money from the trust, but I would seriously doubt that it would permit them to do that without providing suitable security for the repayment of any monies borrowed, such as a loan secured by a deed of trust on property, or um, a security interest in uh, building uh, business equipment or vehicles or bank accounts or brokerage accounts or something like that. But my inclination is that the parents just decided, well, we're in charge of this so we can do whatever we want with it, including taking the money and using it for our own purposes. That is dead wrong. And it 
That kind of thing infuriates me. They have basically stolen the money from their disabled son, who is likely the only one entitled to have any benefit of that money. And it's probably intended to take care of him and benefit him for his lifetime. Sounds like he can't work. And so uh, this is the kind of thing he wanted to know. Do I have a right to ask what's going on and what happened? Oh, hell yes, you do. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, the curse word, but it was not um, arbitrary and it was intentional. This is the kind of situation when I see this, I get angry. I get angry because uh, people taking advantage of someone who's disabled, especially taking the money set aside for them and using it for their own purposes. That is one of the most despicable things I think you can do as a human being. Plenty more I won't talk about, but that rates right up there to me in the top 10. Taking the funds belonging to a disabled person and using them for your own purposes and not for the benefit of the disabled person. So, yes, this person has an absolute right to find out what's going on and may have the right to go after his parents to get the money back with interest and penalties and attorney's fees. So I would tell this person, you need to talk with someone that handles these matters. I don't myself. I don't handle litigation involving trusts. But this person probably needs to consult with somebody right away. Okay, out of Los Angeles. Um, My dad passed away in January. Keep that in mind. January of this year, 2021. His house was the only thing he had in his living trust. My sister and I are 50-50 beneficiaries. We want to sell the house rather than live in it. I was told we should sell the house within the trust rather than changing the deed from the name of the trust to one of our names before we sell. We just completed the affidavit of death of trustee but haven't sent it in. I would say send it in. And they want to know, are the property taxes going to go up? Well, the answer is no, because your father passed away in January of 2021 and you are the children, there is a parent-to-child exclusion from reassessment still in effect under Proposition 58 before February 16th of this year. So there would be no, they'll still get the lower property tax assessment. There won't be a huge property tax bill when they sell. Uh, I would sell it from within the trust because it's going to be easier. Then you don't have to worry about one or both of you becoming incapacitated or passing away while the sale is pending. So we're coming up on the mid-show break today. I hope you stay tuned after the break for more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, attorney Bob Bergman. See you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Let's take one uh, out of my uh, own town of San Jose. Person say asking, I'm married and have property in only my name. Do I have to transfer it into both of our names before putting it into our family trust? Well, that's definitely in my wheelhouse. 
uh, person said, do we have to put it in both our names or do I put it directly in the trust with both of our names in one deed? Well, there's some other uh, issues that are, are hidden underneath this question. Um, one of the issues, or probably the most important issue is, is it the intention that this property that's in your name be owned by the marriage, meaning as community property with you and the spouse? If that's the intention, then um, some attorneys would say, first transfer the property from you to you and your spouse as community property, and then have both of you transferred into the trust. That, however, uh, is uh, what's called a transmutation, kind of like turning lead into gold. This would be turning separate property uh, into community property, property owned by the marriage. Uh, my practice is if they want it to be community property, then my practice is to have on the deed transfer from um, owner to owner and spouse as co-trustees of the trust and then have recitals in the deed of the intention to have the property be um, declared community property um, between the, the two spouses, um, which has definite tax benefits, um, but the grant also uh, reserves some contribution rights that the first spouse may have if they get divorced later on, um, meaning that uh, there are some rights under the family law to get back uh, some amount of what was your what was your uh, share of the property before um, transmuting it into community property. I'm not going to go into that here because that's more of a family law question, and I don't really practice family law. But um, it really comes down to what the intention is. Is the intention to have it be still separate property? If it's still going to be separate property, maybe uh, certainly in the trust itself, it should be identified as separate property in a schedule of assets that both parties sign. Um, it could even be done on the deed, although that hasn't been my practice, uh, where it could be transferred to them as tro as a, a co-trustees, but remains the separate property of the first spouse. Okay. Here's someone out of San Bernardino. Says, I have property that I acquired prior to my marriage. I want to set up a trust to leave my property and money to my children. Does my wife have to sign this document? Answer, strictly speaking, no. Should your wife sign that? Perhaps yes, after consultation with a family lawyer. Uh, and what it would be would be the wife consenting to that and agreeing to that and maybe giving up any claims to the property. That's really a property settlement agreement, not going to marital a settlement agreement, rather, that I talked about um, be earlier in the show, a property agreement where they set out what people's rights are, including the right to leave your property acquired prior to the marriage to your own children. Um, but uh, if this is done unilaterally without the wife being involved, 
that doesn't really get rid of this potential for the wife to have uh, a spousal allowance, um, which which would mean you know the right to maybe income from the property or to occupy the property for a certain time period after this after the husband passes away. It's a complex area of the law. It's mostly family law issues we're talking about here. And I always advise people if they want to do that, they need to talk with family lawyers and get that sorted out so that the planning that can be done, uh, or if they don't want to do that, then I caution them that the planning that they're doing has the potential to be upset to a certain extent, depending on their behavior during the marriage uh, and also rights that the um, that the other spouse may have to a spousal allowance. So that's um, so that's just something right there. Um, if you're in this situation, don't try to just wing it because uh, you really need to uh, make sure that you have gone through the proper channels and have everything set up correctly for you. So, uh, can an ongoing business be transferred to a testamentary trust? This is out of Oakland. person said, I've just gone through probate in California where the will contained a testamentary trust. Testamentary trust is a trust established by somebody's will or last will and testament. That's why it's called a testamentary trust a trust established by the last will and testament. Uh, the deceased person had some businesses when she died, which are supposed to go in the trust. Can this be done? If so, what are the steps? Well, it's a very broad question. Um, essentially, first of all, you have to determine if the business is one that can, in fact, be turned over to a trust. As It may be one that can only be operated by someone with a specific license, like a law practice, medical practice, dental practice, accountancy practice, things like that. Uh, it may require a business license. And maybe the bigger issue is who's going to run these businesses now that the owner has died? Uh, are they large enough businesses that there are actually staff in place that can run that? Uh, are there managers that could be engaged to continue running the business? So it can be done, um, but it is going to be a matter of going and updating all of the government records about the ownership. Uh, if there's real estate owned um, by the person being used by the business, there, there's a whole host of things that might need to be done here. But to answer the first question, it can be done provided that there are not restrictions or other barriers that have nothing to do with the uh, the fact that the owner died. Um, so, so that's uh, actually that have to do with the fact that the owner died. There may be restrictions on transfer and other barriers no real way to determine just what needs to be done without knowing the specifics about each of the businesses in question. Out of Los Angeles, 
My fiancé owns multiple properties in several counties in California. We have a son and another on the way, but he has no will or trust set up. If he were to, to die, who inherits his properties? My understanding is that his mom would be the next of kin, given that... Okay, this doesn't make sense. Our son is not an adult? Uh, no. <laughs> um, if you're not married, not married yet, uh, someone's children are the first line of heirs by intestate succession. Uh, so, so his children um, is, well, let me hold, hold, hold the phone. Um, now I, I, I'm, you know, I'm second guessing myself. It may be, actually, I take it back. It may be that his mother is the one who inherited, or maybe his mother and his child or children would inherit. But certainly the fiance asking the question would not be invited to the party because there's no marriage in place there. With no marriage in place, the person really doesn't have any claim on the property. I can tell you with a marriage in place, uh, it would absolutely actually pass to the spouse and the child or children. That much I am sure of. So for this person, um, they really need to get married in order to have any rights. And the fiance, if he has multiple properties, he needs to get his rear end in gear and do some planning if he wants to take care of his fiance and his child and his child on the way. Um, it's just irresponsible not to do that. So, uh, and I'll be very blunt about that. It's irresponsible not to do that. Okay, let me jump to the next one here. Uh, my grandma had both a living, let's see, had both a will and a trust, which was very clear that I was supposed to get $10,000 and her car. That never happened. Years later, me being told, let it go, my mom and her brother just went through court, got to split all the money that was left to be had. I don't care about the money. They already got it all. They said, let them handle it and they'll give me they, my part. But of course, they didn't. I just want my car. Her husband, who also died, his kids took the car knowing it was supposed to go to me. I don't know what I can do to get it back. I'm afraid if I give them a heads up, they may try to do something to the car before I get it. What can I do? At this point, you're probably out of luck. Yeah, it's long past the time to do something about it if Grandma died a long time ago. So I'm sorry to say that, but that's the case. We'll continue after this third break of the show today with more Plan Your State Radio. Bob Bergman, host. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back for the final segment of our show today. Um, here's a really interesting one, and it kind of, uh, I would want to ask more questions of this person to really clarify things. But person says, I revoked my old trust and made a new one. 
Now, right there, I'd say, do you mean that you actually did a revocation in writing of the John Smith Trust that you did in 2000, January 1, 2000, and then made now the John Smith Trust dated April 15th, 2021. So revoking the old trust, making a new one, or uh, which is very unusual. I mean, if people say they don't like their old trust, I would say, okay, my first question is, do you own any property of any kind Bank accounts, brokerage accounts, uh, vehicles, uh, mobile home, real estate in that trust name. If that's the case, then let's not revoke that trust unless you want to go back and change the title on everything to a new trust name and a new trust date. Instead, we do what's called an amendment and restatement. We take the old trust, we amend the whole thing restate it, meaning we have a whole new trust document, but we keep the original name and keep the original establishment date so that you don't have to go back and update everything you have with new information. So this person said, when I sold my house, it was still listed under the old trust name. Why is that? Did I do something wrong? Well, yeah, in a sense. If you created a whole new trust, but you never went and changed the title of your house to the name of the new trust, uh, you may actually have just created a problem for yourself. Um, It's good that you're still alive. You can fix this because you can sell the property because you're the one who was in charge of both things. But if you revoke the prior trust, made a new trust, then you died, and then someone was trying to administer your new trust, and they found out that the property was in the old trust name, they don't have the right to just take over that property. You might have just forced your property to have to go through some kind of probate court action in order to get it into the new trust to be handled by the new trust. This is why You should never revoke a prior trust unless you absolutely 100% know and are certain beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt that you don't have anything that's owned by that trust. Because if you revoke it and you don't take steps to, uh, to transfer the title of everything into your new trust, you've now got something that's essentially in your name. And if you die with something that's too valuable in your name, that's going to trigger some kind of probate court action being necessary. And, of course, when you're doing trust and things like that, we're trying to avoid going into probate court, either to probate a will or having to go there to clean up a problem with the trust either the way it was drafted or the fact that there are assets that were not in the trust when the person died that should have been in the trust before they died. We can go to court sometimes and fix those things as well. 
So here, what do I do when my single parent passes away with no will and I have no access to his finances? Well, uh, his mother's still in the pictures talking like she owns the estate, wondering what to do. Well, maybe based on earlier thing we talked about on the show, maybe that your dad's mother actually is his heir if he had no will. Uh, and she may have to go through probate in order to, uh, in fact, she will have to go through probate if he had no will. Uh, that's one of the consequences of having assets that are worth at least $166,250 and, um, and having no will. So um, we're coming up on the end of the show today, and I just wanted to uh, extend again my invitation to come to my estate planning workshop which will be next Saturday morning, August 14th, from 9 a.m. till about 10 a.m. with time afterwards for questions and answers. It's going to be at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. Easy to get to. I suggest if you're coming, you approach it from uh, on Camden Avenue from Campbell, from Bascom Avenue or Union, uh, because there's no way to turn left into their parking lot if you're going the other way on Camden Avenue. Uh, you can register by going to lawbob.com, looking at the menu item for workshops and seminars. Click on that, and we'll take you to a page where you can click through and register. Go to eventbrite.com and look for estate planning workshop on August 14th. You can register that way. Or my Facebook page, uh, Law Offices of Robert B. Bergman. There are now links up there where you can register there as well. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope at least some of you will consider coming to my workshop. And until next Friday, next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. See you then. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.